Jacques Howard, I'm on location at Mercer County Community College, James Kernan Campus in downtown Trenton, New Jersey. And I'm here for the Trenton Cannabis Community Monthly Meeting, and I'm with some of the members and uh, participants. And uh, first, let's start with you, Phil. Introduce yourself, please, and share a little bit about who you are. Hello, everyone. My name is Phil Charles. I'm co-founder of the Trenton Cannabis Community, local Trenton resident. And the basis of the Trenton Cannabis Community is to usher in a proper cannabis legalization industry into the capital city of New Jersey, which is Trenton, and making sure, you know, we're able to provide economical infrastructure for our residents to succeed in this industry. All right, thank you. I go by the name of Vita Vinci, local resident and local musician. I'm just here with the Trenton cannabis community to enlighten myself and, you know, my knowledge of cannabis in the community. All right. Okay, uh, good, after, good evening everyone. My name is Leo Bridgewater. I am co-founder of the New Jersey Cannabis Commission. I am also National Director of Veterans Outreach for Minorities for Medical Marijuana and co-owner of Leaf Launch, a cannabis incubator and accelerator located right here in New Jersey. Awesome, thank you. And I'm Ken Walski. I'm Executive Director of the Coalition for Medical Marijuana in New Jersey. I'm a registered nurse. I've been an RN for 42 years. I graduated right here from Mercer County Community College in 1976 with my RN degree. You say 76? <laughs> 76. All right. Well, okay. my first degree here was in 69. I got an associate in arts. I was a member of the first class here of uh, Mercer County Community College when I switched from Trenton Junior College. Awesome. And uh, what was it, uh, two years ago they had the big grand 50th anniversary or something like that? Or was that last year? the 50th anniversary of the graduating yes. class or something like that. All right, fantastic. Oh, and uh, let me just uh, share a little bit about myself. I'm Jacques Howard, creator and host of the Trenton 365 show. The impetus of the program is to build a better community through civic engagement. Um, my affiliation with the Trenton cannabis community is uh, I recognize cannabis as the next marketplace globally with a hyper focus uh, here in uh, the United States and Trenton, New Jersey, the capital of New Jersey. And I think it behooves us to find out as much information uh, um, from all different aspects of it, recognizing what's taking place in other parts of the country, but also how we can utilize this uh, growing and potential marketplace as an opportunity to raise funds and have an economic impact on uh, urban areas such as the city of Trenton, Newark, as well as uh, Jersey City and Camden as well. So let's start first of all with um, with uh, cannabis, and I want to shoot this over to Phil. I mean, I was educated not long ago by you and Jason Arnold. Big shout out to Jason as well, who's not here. But um, you both were were sharing with some history about the terminology or the term marijuana, um, because uh, during our first conversation, I kept saying that, and and at some point, you and Jason said, "Let's start with this," and. Um, you gave me the details about the, the term marijuana, where it came from, and some of the background, which actually piqued my interest in learning more about the cannabis culture because I saw that there was a major, um, it, was, it was designed, marijuana was designed from a um, racist platform. Yeah. So can we just talk about that a bit? Yeah, so <clears throat> way back when, and to let you know, like when I first became an activist almost 10 years ago, it was, this was like one of the first, like, punching the faces where it's like you don't know everything about marijuana or cannabis so way back when uh, a long time ago cannabis was actually used as a form of medicine in the united states and 
from that point until where it became illegal, there was a lot of uh, fear mongering, a lot of racial disparities going on, uh, like the 60s, 70s, a lot of uh, like the word mar- the word marijuana was used to stigmatize and classify Mexicans that would come into America looking for jobs. Um, it even like vilified African Americans, specifically jazz musicians and people that were in like uh, the African-American community that listened and partaked in that. And it even went as far as saying, as you know, like you smoke weed, you're gonna kill like your brother, your mother or someone like that. So it was like all these things created by William Randolph Hearst, who was like the, how could we put him? He was like a Trump back then in the day. He, <laughs> he ran like the whole uh, media industry, the newspaper industry to be specific. Um, and Harry Anslinger, who became like the first drug czar of America, and like they had a mission to vilify the cannabis plant, and they did so by first name, like renaming it marijuana or marijuana with the H, yeah. which we still, like, you'll see every now and then. And um, the funny thing is, like, I eventually had to stop you and just to let you know that when you're like in the, like our group and our community that we tend to use like cannabis more so like every now and then we'll throw around the word marijuana just because we've been like brainwashed into like using it but um like that's like usually like a uh like a testing point for us to see how much like someone is like uh knowledgeable in the cannabis space so like leo for instance was like one of the first people that pointed out to me like when you start hearing certain words like marijuana um gateway and um addiction and things like that you already know that you're talking to someone that doesn't have the full story on the cannabis plant so Mm -hmm. us bringing you into the community we had to let you know that marijuana is a derogatory term like even though it's like cool nowadays like but this like the history of it is a lot worse and we tend to use cannabis but like i said man we throw weed out there marijuana ganja you know like we know it in many ways you know so, and again, I want to thank you for enlightening me on that. And, Leo, I want you to chime in on this in a little bit. I was at an event um, that was done by, uh, the, I believe it's the Mercer County Prosecutor's Office a couple of months ago at Ryder University. It was a well-attended event um, at uh, the Bert Ludicke, um, uh space there, probably 300 people. And uh, I was listening to the politicians as well as law enforcement who were on the panel. And, uh, you know, the event was really talking about the negatives of cannabis and marijuana, like all the negatives. Um, And I was I was want to say I was duped because I was under the impression that this was going to be a forum where people were going to come and be able to get information and hear different sides and different perspectives, especially since it was on the college campus. But that's when I got there, I found out that that wasn't what it was. And I listened to the, the event. And during the question and answer segment, and again, kudos to you for this, is um, I mentioned marijuana, the terminology. Why are they using terminology marijuana? And asked them exactly what you said. Do, do you know about the racist background of the term marijuana, et cetera? And no one on the panel had any idea what I was talking about. And um, there was a bit of an applause from some of the, the people who were advocates in the audience because they knew <laughs> where I was going with it as well. And um, so can you just share a bit more about that from your perspective? Well, as Phil said, it's when you hear certain terms, so you're, you're dating yourself. For, for those of us who are in the know, to the trained ear, we know 
already how much more we already know than you. Because if you were truly educated, you're not using those terms. And, you're you're, not and, and let's say cannabis is the scientific. It's the correct way. Yeah. Thank you. It's, okay. it's, it's sort of kind of like with the issue with the Washington Redskins. It's the same thing. Whatever the Native Americans, how, how like it's 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 a racist term, Redskins, and and we've become used to it. We 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 marketed it. We re, all we've done is rebranded a very racist term. And so when you look at the word marijuana or marijuana, you know, it's over a period of time. It's just something that folks have gotten. Uh, accustomed to so much so that the not the derogatoriness of it has been completely lost, almost because, watered down. Yeah, look, we're we're putting it, we're putting that word in our laws. We're saying marijuana in our laws, and that's it's embarrassing for me. It's embarrassing because that's a racist term. So, um, and I'm going to jump around a little bit here with this. So, the term marijuana, and we're writing it into our laws. Mm -hmm. So that in itself should be a big red flag for anyone who is yeah. um, in inclusive to to wanting to create a, a community. Welcome to our world. <laughs> okay. Well, I, I, don't, I don't really agree with that. I, I mean, I, everything you said was true, uh, Bill, uh, when you talked about the history of marijuana and, and you know, the, the, the use of that word um, and the fact that it was a cannabis, con considered cannabis uh, for over 100 years in, in, in America, and it was in the U.S. Pharmacopeia for about 100 years, and there were about 100 studies done uh, in, in, about its medical usefulness in, in, in America, um, and, and the word marijuana did become, uh, was, was uh, created by, um, by uh, Mr. Anslinger usually uh, to, uh, uh, to denigrate uh, that uh, substance. But over the years, um, you know, it, 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 words evolved, and so now it's really part of our culture. Our organization gave a lot of thought to what we were going to call ourselves. We call ourselves, uh, you know, the Coalition for Medical Marijuana in New Jersey. We thought about calling ourselves uh, cannabis, but we realized that both the leaf and the word marijuana were universally recognized, were universally accepted in our in our culture. Everyone knew exactly what we were talking about. So it was just a, a simple way to to discuss it. You know, a lot of people don't know what cannabis is, and then yeah. and then it's you have to go and go back up and explain what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. So it's a lot. I think it's a lot more, a lot easier to to uh, use the uh, use the term marijuana and uh, for for instant recognition. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, I mean, I came I came of age in the 1960s, and so marijuana was the term that we used, uh, along with a lot of slang terms for for the drug. And uh, so that's my reference to the word marijuana. It's it's the explosion of use during the uh, 1960s. Mm -hmm. So going forward, I mean, because it looks like we've got multiple, um, we have a, a, a cross-generational group of us here. So uh, going forward, how do you how do you think we can bridge that gap where we're recognizing the the history of it, but we're also paying um, proper respect to the scientific name and the culture? of the plant. How, right. Is well, it a marijuana slash cannabis? You can do that, yes, marijuana slash cannabis. Usually when you're talking about the medical effects of it, you know, when you're talking about it in a scientific studies and whatnot, you use the term cannabis. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I think the important thing is for people who are interested in reforming marijuana cannabis not to make this a divisive issue among ourselves, to accept what, what whatever the 
advocates for reform are using and say, yes, I support you because you support reform for this plan. You're, you're sick and tired of, of all the negatives that have to do with, uh, with the prohibition of, of marijuana and cannabis, and, uh, and you want to see it. Uh, brought out into the open and used uh, used legally. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And let's stick with that. I mean, from your your background um, as a medical professional and uh, being part of the Coalition for Medical Marijuana, um, and it's New Jersey based nonprofit, correct? And yes, we're a statewide. Statewide. Okay. So let's talk about um, transition quickly and talk about the the health component of it. Um, I know uh, in the last several years there's been a lot of talk about about this um, from the PTSD, from uh, from other health issues. Mm -hmm but also um, professional athletes now who are coming out talking about they're using cannabis uh, in some form to, to medicate themselves so that they can get through their daily lives or to be able to perform. So from a medical standpoint, with your background, let's talk about that a bit. Well, the, the, the most important thing was the discovery of the endocannabinoid system, and this was in the 1980s and 1990s. So before that, we knew that marijuana was effective for a number of issues like nausea and vomiting of chemotherapy and for reducing glaucoma, but we didn't really know why it worked or how it worked. But when we discovered these receptors in every organ of the human body for the components of, of marijuana, the cannabinoids, um, you know, that now we have an, a clear understanding of how it works and why it's so effective for such a wide range of symptoms, diseases, and conditions. Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, marijuana works for, for uh, it's, it relieves anxiety, it works uh, uh, for pain, it works both at the, at the level of, this, of the skin, the receptors are in the skin, the re receptors are in the nervous system going up to the brain, the receptors are in the brain. Uh, so, uh, you know, we have these receptors all over our body and that's why it's, it's, it's so effective for so many different things, post-traumatic stress disorder, for pain, for uh, nausea and vomiting, for uh, GI uh, problems. Uh, we're basically, uh, we believe, many scientists believe that the um, uh, knowledge of the endocannabinoid system is, is going to be essential for uh, therapeutics going forward. Mm. Now, uh, so is that where the term, and please anyone jump in at this point, that the term of it being the uh, cannabis being the, uh, and I'm sorry I'm losing my train of thought. Gateway. No, not the gateway, but uh, in a positive sense. Excellent it, way. No, it being the... Um, like the like the wonder like the a miracle drug miracle oh, drug. drug you know oh, it, it, it is a miracle drug you know for many people people who who have been through the pharmaceutical every pharmaceutical option that is available to them that the doctors can prescribe and none of them either are effective or they have terrible side effects that make it make it make it you know just not uh, possible for that person to use and then they use marijuana and they find that this is something that relieves their symptoms relieves seizures relieves pain relieves uh, nausea and vomiting, better than anything else and safer than anything else. And I had a lady come up to me uh, at, at our last meeting, and she said, and she was talking about her neighbor who used marijuana for Tourette syndrome for her son who had Tourette syndrome, and she said nothing else worked for her, her uh, this person's son, but marijuana. It's, it, she said it was like a miracle drug, and I said, Wow, it's a miracle drug. Why are we whispering about this in a library? We should be shouting this in the rooftops. So, so let's stick with that, and I'd like to get each one of your perspectives on that because um, I, I was at an event, and, and I do eventually want to talk about the economics of cannabis here in New Jersey and the forthcoming marketplace. But I was at this event um, put on by the Mid-Jersey Chamber of Commerce. Again, well-attended event, well over 300 people at a country club, um, not a lot of people of color, a um, lot of investors. People had traveled from different states to come to this meeting.
And um, the person, I can't remember his name, he was a retired professional hockey player. And he... Uh, Athletes for care. Yes, yes, exactly. And uh, he was going through not only the, the benefits of the proteins um, in, you know, to, to regenerating your body after exercising, but also the medicinal factors of it as well. And um, he kept saying the healing of the nation, the miracle, the miracle, um, drug. miracle drug, et cetera. So from your different perspectives, what have you all heard about that? <laughs> uh, I just, I, I, I literally just talked to Mike James like an hour ago, like I, after I got off the phone with you. He's the running back that put in uh, for Tampa Bay that put in to be able to use cannabis and lead just denied him. So okay. now he's under, he can't go, he can't participate in OTAs right now. He's under uh, um, investigation. Yeah, like, you know, like when they appeal, he's appealing the uh, NFL's ruling. You know. <clears throat> but um, real good dude, you know, and I'm, I'm friends with uh, Marvin Washington and um, uh, just got a text message last night from Amani Tour and you know like these the, the 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 things that these these guys talk about and the way this is helping them you know the Atlanta Falcons distributed over 7000 doses of opioids last year 7000 and you only got 53 people on the team <laughs> so that tells you and then when you look at what we're truly talking about, and this is encompassing the first question you brought up with, you know, the, the terminology and everything, is that what we're truly talking about here is we're not just talking about facilitating a cultural shift in how we view this plan, but we're also talking about facilitating a massive, massive transfer of wealth. The logistics behind it damn near can't be quantified. So, so just to jump in there, so... Just like most things, do you think that that's probably why? It's just that there's, this is going to be well, a transfer of wealth. Well, when you talk, here's the thing. When you talk cannabis legalization in New Jersey, you're messing with some old money because the pharmaceutical industry has been working and operating here for generations. When you talk cannabis legalization in New Jersey, you're also messing with some long money because the alcohol industry has been doing well in this for generations. When you talk cannabis legalization in New Jersey, you're also messing with some big money because the prison industrial complex has been thriving. And evidence, when you evidence by the ACLU's report of 25,000 arrests a year, we've since what, 2000, we've locked up over a quarter of a million people, and two thirds of them look like us. Mm -hmm. And so, what we have is a police culture issue in the state and cannabis is just a tool that, that is being used to be able to enact or impose upon a particular demographic a way of life so for a lot of people in New Jersey their utopia has been the disturbia for a lot of people that look like us mm. your utopia is my disturbia and, and I do want everyone else to chime in on that, but that, that lends to something I recently heard, that the amount of people of color, African Americans, Latino, Hispanics, who are arrested for cannabis possession is such a low number, or high number, in comparison to whites, but the evidence is that we use it the, the equal... Yep. Right. We use it the same. And... Now, what you're seeing is, is you're seeing, and again, today, if you look at the current 
racial and political climate of this country, people are getting very bold. They're feeling emboldened. And that is because we have a, as a nation, we have a quality of leadership issue. You know, as a nation, from the, from the White House on down. And mind you, here in the capital city, we're in the beginning, we're only six months into the recovery of eight years of Chris Christie, mm -hmm. who had a thing about putting his hands in people's faces. You know, that looks very familiar to me in terms of the orange one in the White House. They do that. <laughs> That's the way you talk. And you look at the way they think and all that stuff. That's not how you treat people. That's how you treat a thing. And that's the, that, 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 you know, we, we are the only people in the history of the world who technically lost our humanity. Mm -hmm. It was taken from us because we were actually property. And so everything you're hearing today and seeing today is 400 years of untreated PTSD mm -hmm. and 400 years of evolved white supremacy. Mm -hmm. I mean, you don't see an Adolf Hitler high school in this country at all. But for us, we have to go to George Washington High School, Thomas Jefferson High School. We have to, you know, and it's normal. And now when you look at this country's value system and you look at like what happened in Parkland, with those kids, those are that's that's brand new. Those are that's at least a hundred and something brand new cases of post-traumatic stress mm -hmm. disorder. But then, the bigger symptom to me is that when those kids were were, were 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 upset and they were saying they wanted to meet, they wanted to feel safe. You know what the adults did? The adults attacked them because they want to keep their guns. Right. See, those are all symptomatic of untreated post-traumatic stress disorder. Mm -hmm. And so <clears throat> the thing about PTSD, it requires us to have some very uncomfortable conversations, the likes of which most of us would rather die with these secrets because mm. that's what comes out, family secrets. Mm. In particular, when you look at the African-American community, you know, you know people who've been touched. <laughs> You know, we, we, we see it every day. When you look at the capital city and you look at the way collectively we don't vote here, mm -hmm. this, is, this is what it looks like when the majority says, my vote don't count. And this is what we have. And mm -hmm. so we have to, again, when you're talking about, you know, facilitating a cultural shift, we also have to pay credence to the fact that this is also going to require a massive transfer of wealth. And if we continue on this path of not saying anything, we'll be absent from the conversation again. Just like we did with, just like we weren't prepared with real estate and they redlined everything. Mm -hmm. We weren't prepared with dot com. Ain't nobody have a computer. Mm -hmm. We keep giving our money away to the hair industry. You know, so this one right here, the cannabis industry, this was literally built on our backs. Mm -hmm. So you're going to turn around, make a buck off of this, lock me up, and then lock me out? Mm -hmm. That's exactly how, that's what, the, that's what the history of this industry is. And where we are here in New Jersey is we're actually poised to bring order to chaos. Mm -hmm. The fact that the upper echelon ownership and positions within the industry are occupied by middle-aged to older white men, that's a symptom of chaos. This industry is in such a baby stage, there isn't even an industry standard unit of measurement yet. Mm. Now, a week ago, I was summoned to the consulate for the Czech Republic to meet with the International Cannabis and Cannabinoid Institute, the ICCI. 
this week, starting yesterday, the World Health Organization is meeting in Geneva right now, starting, starting Monday, to talk about the scheduling of cannabis. And what the Czech Republic has done is they did it the way, they did things in the Czech Republic that we should have did it here. Before they rolled out the industry for everybody to partake in, they educated everyone first. And that's our problem here. That's why things aren't right in Colorado, and they're the first one to do it. Because they didn't educate nobody. They just rolled it out here. And as well as it's doing, you know, the backlash is is that, you know, when you look at uh, arrests amongst African-American teens, it's gone up. But if you look at arrests amongst white kids, they're in the negative. So, again, this is... It's just highlighting things that are, are that have always been here, but we just didn't understand or really didn't know the way in which we need to bring this, how we bring this to the table. It's time we go from screaming outside in front of the buildings now. Now we got to come inside and start teaching. Mm-hmm. Hey, B. Vinci, you want to jump in there? It looked like you had a comment. Oh, no. I, he going. He, he said everything. That <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. You good? No, you good. Right. Okay. Right. Uh, absolutely. The, you know, the pending legalization of marijuana does represent a, a massive transfer of wealth in many, many ways. Mm. Uh, we're seeing, you know, the pharmaceutical industry uh, in states that have legalized marijuana, the opioid uses for it is going way down. Uh, there's 25% fewer mm-hmm. opioid overdose deaths in states that have legal medical marijuana programs. And uh, people are using fewer opioids because marijuana is a safer alternative to the opioids. So that's one way it's a, it's a, uh, it's a transfer of wealth. Another way is the prison industrial complex. Now, we, I had a unique perspective on this, Chuck. Um, um, I was a, an RN in the New Jersey Department of Corrections for 22 years. And uh, starting in 1984, when there were 9,000 inmates in the state prison system, and I retired in 2006, and there were 27,000 inmates in the state prison system. This, the po- inmate population tripled just in the time that I was working there. 86% of those inmates were black and Hispanic. 86%. To me, that was a national disgrace. And uh, the numbers are a little better now. They're coming down. There's about 20,000 inmates right now in the prison system, and I think the number is 76% are black and Hispanic. But um, but that, you know, it, 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 was, it was just something that to me was shocking. Uh, uh, a civil rights, the, it, it was, in its effect, it was, it was a racist program that, that we mm. had, you know, this mass incarceration. Mm. And, and the war on drugs was at the heart of it. It, it, was, it was increased penalties for drug, drug violations and uh, increased enforcement of drug laws. Uh, and, uh, and it fell back on the minority communities, mm. essentially. Essentially, it fell back on the poor people. I said not only was it a racist, but it was a classist. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, what I found out in New Jersey State Prison when I worked there was that there were very few rich people in that prison. Most of them were poor. An even greater percentage than minorities were poor people in that prison. Because in the American criminal justice system, you get very different justice if you're rich and if you're poor. And unfortunately, you know, um, most of the, uh, many of the, Many of the people who wind up in that prison are inner-city residents. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the war on drugs has had a devastating uh, uh, effect on, on the communities uh, in, like Trenton. I mean, we have we have 28% poverty rate in, in Trenton. That's 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 worse than the poverty rate. That's two and a half times the poverty rate of China. That's worse than the poverty rate of India. 
if Trenton were a if Trenton were a, 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 a country by itself, you know, the United Nations would be coming to aid us. Yep. You know, they would be taking pity on us. So I want you to stop there. I want you to repeat that because I think it's important for the audience to understand that what you just said about the percentages, exactly what you said, and in comparison to us, if we were a country, Can you say that again. Uh, well, we, we have 28 percent uh, rate of poverty in this, in the city of Trenton. That's twice the national average. Uh, not as bad as Atlantic City and Camden, which are higher than us, but still a disgrace. Uh, and, and China, for example, has a, a poverty rate of 10 percent. Uh, so, you know, we are two and eight, we, city of Trenton has a poverty rate two and a half times that of, of, uh, of China and, and more than that of India. So, if you, took a, if you, you know, if you took our name and our title and changed it from city to country, We'd we'd uh, qualify for UN. Yeah. <laughs> we'd qualify for we would we would qualify real quick for UNA. Right. We're we're also officially so, uh, labeled a food desert. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I th I think that I th and and I think that what you know I mean I grew up in Trenton. I, I graduated from Trenton High in 1966, and I live in Trenton now. I live in the western section of Trenton. So I've seen it happen, and you know the the Trenton that I grew up in is very different than the Trenton that I live in now. And you know the poverty is 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 uh, exploded. Uh, the uh, the violence has exploded, uh, and that and because of these, as Leo said, there I think there, there, it's estimated 40 percent of the kids who live in the city of Trenton experience post traumatic stress disorder just by virtue of the fact that they live in a yeah. situation of poverty and violence. So and, I'm sorry. So no. when you hear these people talking about. Like especially during the during the uh, the mayoral elections, when you heard all the candidates and they're saying education, 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 for folks like us, it's maddening because when you because when they're talking about education, they're not really talking about no. education. They're talking Sounds about good. traditional. Yeah. You right. have to open up right. a book, right. and what we're saying is is we're saying, hey man. This city needs a healing or like any You've got to stop the war. Yeah. Stop the war. This is a war zone. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, this is what kids learn. They learn how to live in a war zone. Mm -hmm. And if, without, and, and the, the, the nuclear families are broken up because so many people are, are arrested because they have, you know, records of marijuana offenses. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, they're arresting now. It's up to 32,000 a year in New Jersey. Mm -hmm. and, and from what I'm hearing and what I assume that it's probably the, a lot of the marijuana arrests aren't um, violent crimes. These are people no, just no, who are medicating no, no. themselves. This is low level. Yeah. yeah. And, and they're probably right. doing this to medicate themselves for whatever situation that they're going through. And then they get stopped. Well, if, right. you, if you go beyond, and, and just to pull, piggyback on the whole terminology thing, just like how we, you know, shy away from using the word marijuana, one of the words we, one of the phrases we also try to shy away from is recreational. You know, we like to say adult use. Okay, why uh, recreational? Why, why not use well, that Well, when you use the term recreational, when you're talking about uh, legalizing cannabis, when you use the term recreational, you leave the door open to, uh, for kids. And okay. we're talking about, you know, like, do you recreationally drink beer? Mm -hmm. That's actually an adult drink, right? Okay. So we're talking about adult use. Now, I'm not saying no kids should be using cannabis. If there's a medical, a serious medical reason why a child should be, could, uh, could benefit from using cannabis, so be it. But we're actually talking about adult use. Right. And so when you say, like, when you, when you talk to people who openly admit to recreationally using cannabis, 
if you go beyond the 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 if you go beyond that and ask the when, the where, the why, and the how, they sound like patients. Mm-hmm. So you have a entire population out there who are medicating. They don't even know that they're mm-hmm. medicating. Mm-hmm. That's just like uh, it, it, it should help you to understand the magnitude of the work that is required in order to get folks on board. If the cannabis legalization effort in New Jersey was a television show, see, we're in season eight, episode three. The community here is in season one, episode two. Mm-hmm. So, spoiler alert. It's not a gateway drug. That's the season finale of season one. <laughs> you know, that's like, and, and what we are doing is we're trying our best to get you to binge watch <laughs> what we've been talking about because we need to catch you up. See, in season eight, episode three, what we're talking about in season eight, episode three, we're talking uh, steam, science, technology, engineering, art, math global import export uh, interstate commerce you know where we, we have there, there there are hemp processing plants because cannabis is going to be big money don't get me wrong but the long money is in hemp it is how we rebuild this city it is how we give this state a win the city of Trenton is only 7.2 square miles but within a 200 square mile radius you have access to over 27 million people mm-hmm. And, 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 and so whatever your, your business model may be or what have you, you know, your numbers will come back quicker here because of the, the, because of the radius, the, the, the size of the city. So, so Trenton makes, yeah, and the world can take again. Mm-hmm. Because lately, when you, use, when you look at that term, what Trenton has been in the business of is exporting our academic and intellectual talent. The traditional, uh, the traditional advice to young people in the city is get out and don't come back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that ain't nothing here for you. Mm-hmm. And we're the capital city of the second wealthiest state in the country. Mm-hmm. And we say gateway drug. Mm-hmm. See, we, we're, we, we're not, we're, we've been absent, largely absent from a conversation that most people don't know how far advanced we really are. When I talk with Governor Murphy, you know, and we talk about, you know, the steam aspect of cannabis legalization. And that's his big thing. And not to mention the fact that he's, number one, he's coming from a, a social justice and, and, and public health aspect. And he, even he himself is still learning. But you know what, though? He's learning. Mm-hmm. You know? He's making that effort. Yeah. yeah. And he sees the, he'd be, he'd be, he'd be a fool not to, uh, to ignore the economic impact. And, he, uh, and we know that's not true because he's added it into the budget. Mm-hmm. You know, these are things that, but folks are not understanding how that came about. You know, now there's, you know, again, this is, we're asking folks to make rules for something that was just taboo in conversation just a few years ago. Gotcha. Phil, you wanted to jump in there a moment, moment ago. Uh, yeah, I was, uh, when you was mentioning, like, the whole self-medication process and everything, it just, like, brought me back to, like, when I actually got involved, like, the whole activism, like, the reason why I got started in the cannabis industry was, like, I honestly just got tired of being arrested and harassed by police that would, like, once they pull you over the first time and they got you, like, it's like they build that reputation with mm-hmm. you, so 
it was to a point where it's like I would get harassed, stopped whether I had something on me or not. And just for a cannabis plant, I was probably I've been arrested over um like at least five times just being like for little minor stuff like nothing, no large amounts, no trafficking or anything like that. And like and that's what got me involved in the whole activism, the cannabis activism. And like it was like a couple months down the line when the whole PTSD aspect became real popular. That's when it hit me. It's like, man, like I've been sitting here smoking weed. I think I'm just doing it because it's cool and it makes me feel uh-huh. good. But it's like, yo, I've been through a lot of uh-huh. stuff. Like in like the, these arrests, like in my interaction with police, like they like 90% of the interaction with the police that I've had has not ended well for me at all. Like, and like I'm not going around trying to hurt anyone, you know, like do any malicious intent and like. That's where it made me like expand my thinking from like, all right, if I'm self-medicating and I have issues which are very small compared to like the people outside, uh, like when you walk out your door and like you see what's going on in Trenton, then like without a doubt, like my friends are medicating, like this person has PTSD, like this person has PTSD. And it's like, you find like, there's a web and like it touches back into like what Ken was saying as far as the endocannabinoid system. Um, like we've deprived that endocannabinoid system by not using uh, like the cannabis plant, whether it's for THC or CBD. And um, like that, I mean, I'm just going, but like that, uh, that right there is like a, like a factor that's not being talked about, like ongoing PTSD in urban communities is a major factor, a major factor. And that was one, like, I was glad once the PTSD was passed because I was hoping that a lot of people would have took that step into, like, getting into the program, at least for, like, a PTSD uh, aspect of it. But um, that's an issue that we look to address with, like, the trans cannabis community is um, attacking the ongoing issue of uh, PTSD that's happening in the community. From a medical standpoint, um, you know, we know that our bodies from birth are going through this process where we're slowly degenerating. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, is there any scientific evidence of endocannabinoid deprivation um, or any studies that balance that out? It's the most under-maintenance system in the body. Mm-hmm. Like okay. Because the thing that you use to treat it is federally illegal. You know, most people, like, that's, what, that's the thing that makes cannabis good for the body is it's 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 natural it's natural to the body it's not synthesized that's why it's an anti-inflammatory that's why it does the things that ken was speaking on and addresses those things it's literally like here's what cracks me up here's what trips me out when i think about it there were growing up especially as a teenager and in college you know we used to have little funny sayings i gotta get my medicine you know it's, it's from the earth God put it here for you and me, and it was always a. It was in for me. It was when it was used in that, in those terms. It was it was always funny. Now that it's, it, yo, that was true. I mean, we didn't know it. We were joking at the time, but it's true. All of it is true. That this is medicine. This God really did put this on the earth. You know, this is the one thing that. In the history of the planet, no one has ever died from this plant. Mm-hmm. Now, when you talk about, in particular, I can only really speak on Trenton. When you talk about the Trenton, when you talk about the Trenton community, 
the Trenton community is suffering from PTSD over the illegality of this plan. If you think about it, the illegality has killed people. It's broken up homes. It's thrown people in jail. You know, it's gotten it's gotten people beat up. You know, the just the illegality, not the actual plant. Like, is it possible to overdose on on cannabis? Yes. And from what I've been told, I think you have to smoke like a, a joint the size of a telephone pole, <laughs> and you have to do it literally in one sitting. It's, yeah, right. It's it's a it's, I don't know if you it's a lack of oxygen. Yeah, I, I don't, and I'm not uh. sure. Yeah, like seriously, they said like it was the size. They said it had to be the thickness and the height of a telephone pole to get. So it's virtually much. impossible. It, it's impossible yeah. to overdose fatally million, from yeah. from, uh, from marijuana. So if there's it's, six million it's ways not, to die. This is yeah. six million. Okay, so, that, <laughs> so it's technically it's it's the asphyxiation of it as opposed to the actual plant. Uh, yeah, that's one way to do it. Yes. Okay. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I, I certainly agree with Leo that the prohibition of marijuana does far more harm than marijuana itself. Now, no drug is completely safe, and there are cautions to be used with any drug, uh, and marijuana is no exception. Uh, but to answer your question about the endocannabinoid deficiency syndrome, that has been posited by a marijuana researcher, Dr. Ethan Russo, who uh, spoke recently at the Patients at a Time conference in Jersey City. Uh, and he said that many of the diseases that we see now result from a deficiency of our own endocannabinoid system. As Leo mentioned, our body makes these endocannabinoids that are identical to the plant cannabinoids, the phytocannabinoids. And when we, we're not making enough of them, then Dr. Russo said this results in certain diseases like multiple sclerosis, migraine headaches, and a host of other diseases and conditions. Because when you use marijuana with the, and you in, introduce the phytocannabinoids back into your body, then these conditions are stabilized. And the entire point of the endocannabinoid system is to restore balance or homeostasis to the body. And like I think like the perfect example of endocannabinoid deficiency are the young children that we see when they go from being on opioids to trying cannabis oil for the first time and along like further down the line where you see like the progression of them being uh wheelchaired and crippled to the point to having some type of functionality, whether it be taking a couple steps or waving or smiling, you know what I mean? Like yeah, that was yeah, like yeah, one like of the eye openers yeah. for me to like actually see it in plays like uh, like a, like a child that was in a wheelchair at one moment take a couple drops of THC oil, and then they're up and they're functioning like that's showing you right there that like our endocannabinoid systems aren't being put to full use. So I want to jump in there because that was going to be my next point. You know, um, oftentimes I think people think, especially me, I'm, I'm a neophyte at this. Um, I think okay, you have to smoke it. No. And and that's yeah. what that's what I want yeah, to change yeah. the tra the conversation yeah. to that no. because I think a lot of people think of the smoking aspect of it, the nastiness yeah, that goes along chalk. with. Mm. Yes, yeah, that's exactly. What pops in people's so, heads. so let's talk about that a bit. It's, it's, yeah. that smoking yeah. is just a delivery platform. Okay. That's all it is. It's just a method, like, but it's not the only one. In fact, it's not even the most efficient. Yeah. You know, it's I think ingesting <laughs> is actually the most efficient way. Eating it, yes. I'm not sure if it's the most efficient. I mean, certainly uh, yeah. when when you inhale marijuana, it works the quickest. Now, whether uh -huh. you vaporize it or you smoke it, uh, vaporing is inhaling it. Vaporizing it is inhaling it without 
bringing it to the point of combustion, just heating it to a certain degree that releases the cannabinoids in the plant that are, that are then inhaled. That's vaporization. And, you know, that's another way to get the rapid onset of action because it goes immediately from your lungs right to, you know, to your blood system and through, to every, every organ of your body um, and, and uh, you know, the therapeutic effects of it. When you eat it, um, the onset is delayed. It has to pass through your liver. It has to pass through your digestive system before it can. So it may take 30 minutes to an hour, depending on what you've eaten, depending on your metabolism, uh, before you can feel the therapeutic effects of it. And that's that takes a little getting used to. Uh, before yeah, you got to learn. You got to know. Everyone knows how many pulls from a joint yeah. it'll right. take before they feel it. You right. Know? Well, you the need to know how your body absorbs. Mm. And if you don't, and, and again, all part of that education of with the facilitating of a cultural shift, that part of that is also the showing that you don't, there are different platforms. You, you can actually drink it too. Right. I mean, right. there's- Like in a tea yeah, or so, something yeah. like that? Okay. So right. when they, so like when you hear folks talking about, you know, uh, they're gonna have, they're gonna have the candies and the edibles and da -da -da, and they vilify it. You know, for us, we're just like, these are alternative delivery yeah, yeah. systems that, yeah, that, that, are, they, that are important. It's to the way things. The other are point about when you when you eat it or, or when you take it as an edible, it lasts longer than when you smoke it or yeah. vaporize it. So yeah, yeah. you know it, it might be over in a couple of hours by smoking or vaporizing, but you feel the effects for up to six or eight hours when you uh, when you eat it. Could be good or bad depending fish. on what you got. <laughs> 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 the right, right. You do have more control. You got more control. And then of course some some people use it uh, in conjunction you know yeah, yeah. I mean yeah. where if, if people need to have a steady blood level for example uh, for one reason if they have breakthrough pain for example mm -hmm. if they're using mm -hmm. it mm -hmm. terrible uh, intractable pain they may eat it and then if, if they have some breakthrough pain they may take a couple hits yeah. uh, and and control the pain that way yeah last Friday uh, I was I, I was listening to Whoopi Goldberg she spoke at the Cannabis World Congress Business Expo and she talked about her, her her use of cannabis. And one of the things that she talked about was she said, well, what, what messed me up was she said, I couldn't really do it because I used to smoke cigarettes and I gave up smoking cigarettes. And she said, so she couldn't, I couldn't have my cannabis. Like I, she said, I couldn't have cannabis. Like I would want a cannabis. And it was her daughter who bought her a pen. Mm. And she tried, pen? Yeah, okay. she tried to pen. And she was like, "What?" You know, and she because her daughter said, "I think you might like this," and she she did the pen, and she was like, "Are you kidding me?" And she from that point on, it was she found her delivery method, one that didn't have her backsliding into you know because a lot of times it's this, mm -hmm. you know, this right here is a trigger. She knows her triggers, and so it was you know it, if it weren't for the fact that her daughter happened to come home and was like, "Hey, you might want to try this," and then she. Whoopi would have been thinking she couldn't have her cannabis. She's not. That's not an isolated incident. You know what I'm saying? There's a lot of people. You know. Again, we have to again in the educating, ed, educating, and how mighty of a task this is going to be. You know, informing folks that just because there's you know uh, edibles, that's some people just don't want to smoke. Yeah. You know, so you shouldn't keep them from it. But the way they vilify it, the way you he when they hear it, what about the kids? Okay, uh, you keep your medicine in a medicine cabinet <laughs> away from your kids. Yeah. Keep this in a medicine cabinet or someplace 
away from the kids. I'm sorry you have to be an adult and be <laughs> responsible, but this is a controlled substance nonetheless. You know, I, I want to jump in here, you know, just for the sake of time. Um, you, you, so this education process, and, and thank you for enlightening me, because this is all very new to me. Has anyone done this on uh, a level of a delivery to a community, like to a city? Like if we put together a um, Cannabis 101 mm -hmm. and made it very clear and very public for everyone to just get an understanding of it. Um, because through my, and I'm air quoting, you know, research, I'm finding there's a lot of people who are using cannabis or, or marijuana or edibles or traveling to different destinations um, to uh, for tourism to experience these different things? Mm -hmm. So I would I would probably say that the people who I come in contact with either are or have within six months. I'd say it's probably 60, 70 percent of the people. Well, you used to be able to you used to not be able to say this, but now you can. You probably know more people who use cannabis than don't. I, I would believe that. And the largest, the fastest growing demographic within the cannabis consuming community, old people. Mm -hmm. They are, they, and, and, and senior citizens. Yeah, Absolutely. senior citizens. Yeah. And, and, mm -hmm. and, and church people smoke this stuff by the metric ton. <laughs> metric ton. Yes. <laughs> yes. yes. Well, yes. well, well we, we know that religion yeah, has, yeah. has it's a positive. Yeah, they smoke in metric tons yeah. of this. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. it, like, like it's, it's the ultimate oxymoron, you know. And, and so, you know, um, yes, there are people doing things. You know, I had a community event right here at Studio B last November, and I brought Roz McCarthy, Oleg Myers, uh, Sarah Stenoff. These are some very powerful people within the cannabis community, and they came right here to Trenton to educate. And we had a lot of people in there, but not enough. You know, I did I did a community event a couple of months ago in um, in Atlantic City. You know, uh, Mayor Gilliam. You know, Assemblyman Kusiara was there. You know, Roz came up, Hope Weissman, Neon Bay Tosh, Peter Tosh's daughter, mm -hmm. she flew in for that. You know, I had a myriad of people. I like, you know, uh, last week I was just, I was asked to speak to the urban, New Jersey Urban Mayor's Conference. Mm -hmm. you know? So so there are, and when. That's something we've been doing for, yeah. uh, since we started. Yeah. You know, and this, know, is, this, is, this is the man who taught me. You know, we, we, you know, we've been holding community events, we've been taking part in other community mm -hmm. events, mm -hmm. uh, and we've been uh, giving lectures uh, to doctors and nurses, and uh, so, you know, our organization has been, has been doing that, but we're a small organization, you know, we, and, and, and we're very underfunded, so it's very difficult for us to get the message out to 9 million people in the state of New Jersey. Stockton University, interestingly enough, is starting a major course of study in medical marijuana. They, they expect to have that uh, begin in the fall. Yeah, they uh, supported us with using the theater in Atlantic City. Did they? It was Stockton's theater. Yeah, Stockton's Stockton a very progressive uh, university yeah. here in New Jersey. We're very lucky to have them. Um, and um, But, you know, I think one of the big things is personal experience, uh, Jacques. When, when so many people are now seeing that the most vulnerable, vulnerable members of our society, the, the, the toddlers with seizure disorders, the people in hospice, uh, the AIDS patients, the cancer patients, are using marijuana and they're getting stronger and they're getting better because of the use of this. You know, this is really opening up so many eyes about the, the therapeutic potential and also about 
the, the, the fact that the government has been lying about marijuana and, and yeah. denying its medical benefits for 80 years now. But owns the patent. And it, and, in real, and it owns a patent on the neuroprotective... 635-0507. You can write it down. 635-0507. So, right, it's so for the neuroprotective about, okay. aspects of, of the cannabinoids and the antioxidative aspects. The medicative, medication, the, they own a patent. The federal government owns a patent on it. Yeah. So if the federal government decided we are going to manufacture this in a, in a pill form, Huh. They could, they have, they own the patent to do, to do that. Yes. Well, that was their initial goal at first, uh, like the whole Marinol setup. Like it all it is is like cannabis plants in like an appeal for, and that failed like horribly because it's they just can't, it's they just can't, oh, as uh, we were talking about alternative yeah. routes. Like, yeah. right, right. <laughs> that's an alternative route that just doesn't click with the body as effective as vaping or edible or anything like that. Right. It, when they you try to isolate, to when you try to pill. isolate and synthesize a, a mm -hmm. cannabinoid. There are three different types of cannabinoids. The plant cannabinoids, phytocannabinoids, the cannabinoids our body makes, the endocannabinoids, and the synthetic cannabinoids that the pharmaceutical industry makes, like Marinol, which is 100% THC in little sesame oil capsules. The problem with that is that you, you lose the entourage effect of all the cannabinoids working together in the plant so that the vast majority of people who use the synthetic cannabinoids are not happy with them. They much prefer the, the, the plant cannabinoids. So yes, you can do that. You can make a cannabinoid like that, but it's not going to be very popular, and it's not going to be nearly as effective as the, as the whole plant itself. Like going back to nature, basically. Right. Okay, so here's another question with um, uh, when we're thinking about plants. We hear a lot of talk about genetically modified. Um, is this happening in the cannabis industry as well? Oh, yeah, that's where you get the term hybrid and... You know, um, the different uh, strains, you know, uh, and actually, you know, there really isn't, uh, uh, viruses have strains, plants just have different species. So oh, okay. <laughs> okay. If, gotcha. we're, if we're still talking, you know, scientifically, gotcha. okay. <laughs> um, but again, all season eight, episode three stuff. Okay. Yeah. See, you're 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 on track. You just you know. Um, I've got to get caught up. Yeah, you just got to get caught up. But yeah, these are all things that you know. Um, for us, we talk about on a regular, just like um, the Cynthia Nixon issue mm -hmm. with the word reparations. You know, um, and, and amongst us cannabis consumers, in particular minorities, when we talk about this, that word reparation comes out quite often. We say things like, oh, this is the closest we'll get to reparations in our lifetime, or, rep, rep, you know, and obviously, Cynthia Nixon has partaken in some of those kinds of conversations. And so when she said what she said, what did she you know, say? say uh, that uh, can, uh, legalizing cannabis is just like, you know, it's, it's like reparations for, for people of color. And so, and... People yeah, a lot went of backlash off. on yeah, that, that, that scared yeah, folks, yeah, you think? Yeah. Oh, oh okay. it, no, it did. It, okay. She got a serious backlash from it. And so when I was asked about it, I was just like, I said, hey, obviously she's taken, she's been in some of those kinds of conversations with I don't know who, but that's, that's a normal, regular way of talking amongst ourselves. Now, what it sounds to me is that it sounds like this was more of a kill the messenger rather than the message, because at the end of the day, when you you know, when you think about it, not like she's wrong. You know, we say this stuff all the time. It was just, she gave a glimpse. Now, should, should she have, you know, was she the appropriate person to say it? 
I don't, I don't, I'm, I'm, you know, I, I don't really, I don't know. You know what I'm saying? I'm just saying, forget the fact that she said it. Let's just look right at it, and it's true. You know. So, so I, or, uh, you want to get into it, but I do want to. Um, I'll let you get your point because we've been at it for a little bit. But go to your point, and then I want to follow uh, up. I was, something just, here. I was just gonna say something just real quick, but Jim, like the whole GMO aspect. Um, I think that's the perfect reason why we need to have homegrown as much as like it's not um, being passed along. It's just like the legalization aspect. Like when I go over in like California or like Washington, Oregon, like in these states where they're like cannabis advanced and they're on to creating their own products, you see all types of ways to increase your crop or to make bigger buzz to make your your plant look better, use this spray, you know what I mean? So like, in my eyes, like a lot of that are like are forms of like GMO, like you're using sprays and this, and that's like the gray area in a lot of, in a lot of things. Um, with the home grow aspect, unless you're sitting there and using a specific spray or using different ingredients for your plants, like you're, you know what you're getting pretty much. Okay. And, all right, so, so let's hyper-focus the next, like, 10 minutes or so on trend, right? You know, we all understand that the capital city of New Jersey, we have elections that are going to be happening next week, mm-hmm. June 12th, mm-hmm. and that we'll have um, five, a minimum of five of the eight will be new to their positions. Mm-hmm. Um, as uh, the Trenton Cannabis Coalition, what do you see this opportunity as um, with the changing of the guard, so to speak, in politics here in Trenton, and moving the cannabis initiative forward. Oh man, so, so like I see this is oh, like you say, Leo? Uh, <laughs> I said it's a win. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> it's just a I was like say like I see this is like on a, a smaller version of what happened to New Jersey when we got rid of Chris Christie and then brought in Phil Murphy, and it was like overnight we were talking about a hundred days legalization, and medical marijuana expansion. We're going to do expungements. We're going to do this. So. From the conversations I've had with the candidates that are running um, across the board, I'll say except for like a couple, like a hand, like two or three that may have said they weren't for, like everyone wants to see cannabis legalization happen. Now, how does that go about happening? Yeah, that's where like our role comes into mm-hmm. play. But I'm real optimistic on like the cannabis future and trend. And before the election picked up, like one of the things that we put forward to the previous administration was uh, decriminalization or low prioritization on like cannabis arrests. So with this new administration coming in, knock on wood, I'm looking to reintroduce that bill to them and hopefully have trend as a safe zone where you get caught with, uh, let's say 10 grams or whatever the case may be, you're not fine you're not getting handcuffed you're not going into a squad car you're not going to be put into a cell and processed and all that worst case scenario you get a fine or you know an alternative measure other than being arrested so i'm real optimistic and like i said like once we have like our next leader and his staff in place then we're going to reintroduce the whole um decriminalization of low prioritization and one of the things that doesn't get talked about enough in like the whole cannabis legalization is the record expungement. Mm. So like we've talked about how inner inner cities like North Trenton, Atlantic City, Camden, all of these are affected by disproportionate arrests. 
these are the same cities that could be like completely flipped and 360 with uh, a proper record expungement law in place. You know, you look at California and like San Francisco in like a month, they had thousands of people's cannabis records like cleared and wiped clean. And like I said, someone for me that's gotten bullied pretty much on having a cannabis plant, like that's one of the major things I look forward to. So. Yeah. But I, those I, are things that we look to implement into the city um, on top of like having a uh, the uh, industry here. Okay, I, I often re re related to first off that your, the, the answer to your question requires a macro level way of thinking, and the reason why I say that is one of the, my one of my last tours as a soldier downrange was the NATO training mission in Iraq, where I worked for General David Petraeus and Admiral Mike Mullins, simultaneously building up the country, dealing with the Ministry of Interior. So I have seen people have to make some scary decisions that affect everybody, you know, and it's the type of stuff that makes your hair turn white, and I get it. <clears throat> so when you talk about, you know, cannabis legalization here and what the impact would be on Trenton, you know, um, you know who the largest private benefactor of cannabis going legal in Colorado was? Papa, Papa John's. John's. Yeah. You know. The pizza. Yeah. <laughs> Papa John's. It was a it was a, a an adrenaline shot because they just happened to be the largest food chain in the Denver area at the time. That's how they can afford Peyton Manning. That's when you start seeing all the Peyton Manning commercials. And then he bought some. Yeah. Okay. So when you talk cannabis legalization and its effect, it's not just cannabis. Mm -hmm. The food industry is going to be affected. You know, um, you know, when you talk about decriminalization, really all that is is an effective tool for a municipality, not on a state level. Because the reason why it's an effective tool to a municipality such as Trenton is because within the industry, it sends a shotgun blast that says we're open. So now they're going to come here. Mm -hmm. You know, but if you understood how this works, you know that you know that all all the industry needs to hear is what you you, you down for this? We there, you see, and so you know. But that's just that's just when you're talking about decriminalization. That's all it's really good for. It does not it, decriminalization on a state level does nothing but still incentivizes the black market. You know, we know that. You know, but they don't. You know, they, we know that, you know, you need full legalization. Um, when you talk about, you know, like, you see how that, that Papa John effects, if it played out here in Trenton, it wouldn't be on Papa John. See, Trenton's chock full of mom-and-pop restaurants mm -hmm. and stuff. Mm -hmm. And I talked to a lot of these people, like Isla Mays and Mama D's and Smokehouse 1911, and I asked them all the time, are you ready to hire some people? Because mm -hmm. <laughs> you're going to need help. You're going to need help. Not to mention, you know, we're also, if you're talking about decriminalization and, it, and, and what the effect would be here in, in, in Trenton, you know, now you're taking a tool away from the police. It's, it's a conversation that me and the police don't need to have anymore. So what, you smell it. It's not, a, it's not probable cause anymore. Now you don't have so many, you know, people going in and out of court, you know. When you get arrested for cannabis, when you have a can, like, it's going to be hard for Phil to get public assistance, public housing, school for money for school, you know, a job, you know, uh, 
the like the, the 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 list goes on and on and on. And if you were in public housing and you were a kid who got arrested for cannabis and you were smoking it on public housing property, your parents lose their. You, you see what I'm saying? So the effect again is mighty. If the question is how, you know, if anyone's ever wondering how did we get here, yeah, there was this, this was this was this was systematic for a long time. Whoever planned this was, it worked. It worked real good, so good that look at where we at now. You're not even voting, and there's some people that it would be in their best interest if you don't if you don't vote where we are, it's in their best interest that the capital city is like that. There isn't very many things that are capital city-like about the capital city, but this right here, as I said before, it's a total win. Fifteen Economically, $15 an hour is a lot of money for a lot of people. I just spent three days at the CWCBE and talking with all these cannabis companies, you know, and talking about, I'm also one of the, you know, founding partners of Canagather, New Jersey, you know, where we talk, we know, I know all the talent, we know the talent, and we actually know the companies, you know, and the things, I had one CBD company out of Golden, Colorado tell me that, you know, if you work in their call center, that's $15 an hour, that's the minimum. Wouldn't it be nice to be able to live and work in the capital city, not drive out to uh, Amazon or whatever the the the, the, the right, factory, true, yeah. or have to go out the Route One or Princeton or Mooresville because the largest employer in the capital city is the state. And if you go on, if you look at Route One and Twenty Nine at four o'clock in the afternoon, you know, four thirty, you seeing thousands of people going leaving. That's money that's being pumped out of here, and so folks are feeling like there's nothing here. You know, and again, this is the capital. And so what we're taught, like the, 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 the economic impact on this city is mighty. A multi-billion dollar a year industry is being birthed, not even, a, not even two blocks away. And the only person who ran for mayor said, uh, Reed is the only one who actually spoke to it. That is, that is a symptom of a quality of leadership problem. You ain't saying nothing. See, I got a problem with that. That makes me nervous. You know, if you're not a multi, I'm gonna say it again, a multi-billion-dollar-a-year industry, the birth canals right there on West State Street, and you ain't saying nothing. Gotcha. Yeah, I, I asked the, uh, I asked the League of Women Voters to ask the candidates during uh, the candidate forum at uh, Trinity Cathedral in West Trenton um, a question about what the candidates felt would be the appropriate way to prepare Trenton residents for the coming legalization of marijuana. Unfortunately, the League of Women Voters didn't ask that question, but NewJersey.com did ask uh, eventually. Uh, and so they did raise the question. And it certainly is a multi-billion dollar industry that's coming in. And, you know, reparations is probably the wrong word, but it certainly is important to rebuild the communities that have been most devastated by the, the war on marijuana. And that is the inner city communities. 
Uh, and and there are some there is some effort right now to re to recognize that in the legislative bills that are that are in the New Jersey legislature right now, mm. and the, you know some of them have have set asides that uh, fifteen percent I believe have to, have to go to women and minorities, and uh, I believe it's inner city residents. So you know they 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 do recognize that there should be uh, you know some effort to use this money and to use this industry to empower Trenton residents mm -hmm. to. Uh, to, to rebuild the city. And uh, Los Angeles is a good example of, uh, you know, how they are working with people who have convictions uh, to, um, uh, to, to empower them yeah. to get involved in the industry. Uh, so we, yeah, we, 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 yeah, we can look at L.A. too. That, uh, uh, and one of the things that they're doing too is right now we have the, the vertical integration of the industry with the alternative treatment centers that grow and process and distribute the marijuana mm. all at once. Now they're looking to break that up into into in, in industries, in, into uh, organizations that will separately grow and process and distribute and transport the marijuana. And so this will make more licenses available to more people and, and uh, to hopefully to uh, empower uh, not just the, you know, the, the, the rich white people right now who have the licenses in New Jersey. Uh, so you know there is that recognition that this is an important part of the industry and we do want uh, we do want to empower inner cities like Trenton to become uh, to become a, a better because of this uh, legal marijuana industry fantastic um, so Phil B da Vinci Leo and Ken thank you uh, Trenton cannabis community um, this has been a very enlightening um, 90 minutes or so chatting with you. I'm looking forward to how this progresses, uh, especially with the elections uh, that are coming up in the next week or so. And uh, A3620, that is the, the bill. Uh, uh, um, A3620. Okay. Yes, that's the bill that uh, Assemblywoman Annette Keanu uh, sponsored and actually testified uh, yesterday, too, right? No, I was there on Monday. Okay, yeah. Yesterday. Monday, yes. right? Monday. You're Monday. killing me here. Monday. Bring yes, it back. Monday. Bring yes, it back. Yes, Come Amazon. on. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Bring it back. Come on. Yeah. Monday. Yeah, we, we testified on it on Monday. You know, um, and that's to add automatic record expungement to whatever the legislative uh, bill would be for legalization. Legalization. Yeah. Great. All right. So again, thank you, Phil, Bita Vinci, Leo, and Ken. Thank um, this you. has been very. You're welcome. This has been very enlightening, and I look forward to these continued conversations because, again, from my perspective. Um, it's a plant. Sure it's a plant, know. number one. Mm -hmm. Number two, know. it's naturally growing in this environment. And um, there's, a, there's a lot of uh, political and uh, racist background to this. Mm -hmm. And I'm um, looking forward to uh, gathering more information and sharing that with my audience. So thank you all very much. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs>